This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, joined here today by Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, another Tuesday, another round of COVID-19 testing updates from the University of Florida. And uh, we had talked about it a little bit on the last podcast, you know, having six cases with last week's update, you were a little bit nervous. You know, obviously we're, we're within that two-week window uh, of that Ole Miss game uh, coming up now on this Saturday. Uh, so what the numbers look like this week were, were a huge concern for Florida. And uh, we talked about it, hopefully, you know, last week, if, if they were able to get things under control, you know, it wouldn't be a big issue. It seems like they've done a pretty good job of that, Blake. Uh, only three new cases on the football team this week. Only eight new cases in the athletics department as a whole after those numbers were 7 and 61, respectively, uh, last week. So it looks like the COVID-19 case numbers are leveling off, Blake. And, and obviously, we don't really know, you know, which guys are going to be out for Ole Miss, who, who might be quarantined due to contact tracing. Uh, but certainly a positive result today from Florida. Yeah, I think the big thing was is you just don't want to see those mo- those numbers, you know, kind of grow exponentially. And you know, Florida has has long said, and, and Dan Mullen has long said that you know he feels that those guys are the safest on campus. Um, you know, and it shows that Florida is really serious about these things. And you know, just from listening to different player interviews, and you know, just it, it, the COVID questions, the COVID nineteen questions are just going to be they're going to be asked in all these media interviews, and they're going to be asked to players. And, and for the most part, you know, just from listening to this last batch of guys, they seem very serious, you know, about wearing masks in certain places. So I mean, at least from a football standpoint. You know, I know some of those last numbers, you know, were lacrosse and baseball or soccer or something, other sports either way than football. And it seems like, yeah, those football numbers, whenever you're so close to the season as you are, you know, going from, you know, three to seven, you were kind of, you know, holding your breath to see where that number is. But, you know, for the most part, it does seem like the football team is taking things very seriously. It does seem very much like Dan Mullen has this, you know, natty chasing you know, very mature approach, just that kind of echo stratus team. So I I think that you're going to see these guys continue to, you know, be serious, you know, with the season so close and, you know, kind of, you know, whether serious is, you know, being in the practice field, you know, being in the, you know, the film room and in the weight room and all that, but also making sure that you're smart with how you do things with just, you know, how easily it could be to, you know, have it not know and, you know, translate to other guys. So I think at this part, it does seem that Florida, you know, at least the football team is being very serious with this. Yeah, no doubt. And we talked about it last week, you know, it's easy to get lax as you see other teams start playing games and stuff like that. And I think probably that, you know, that probably happened to some degree, you know, as students return to campus. Uh, But I think once you had these cases and knowing you're only two weeks away from the season, I think like we kind of probably expected, it was probably a wake up call to the guys, you know, a little bit of a shock to the system that, hey, yo, we we might not be able to play if, if we don't get this under control. And I think Again, big credit to Dan Mullen and his staff. I think they've done a tremendous job. Uh, you know, all the people that are working with UF Health uh, on campus have really done a good job. I think the campus numbers overall have even come down. You no, know, now that now that we're you know a week or two into you know the fall semester, so good news for Florida is it looks like this Ole Miss game will happen as scheduled. You know, barring anything crazy at this point, 
Um, and that's, and that's great. You know, we're, we're all ready for the season to get here. Um, one, one big question, Blake, that a lot of people have, and I know it's been asked on the swamp 24 seven message boards is okay. If we have three positive cases and, you know, if, if maybe some of those six cases from a week ago, um, you know, we're within that threshold of being within two weeks of the game, how many guys could be out? Um, I think it's safe to say at this point that unless those cases uh, from this week, the three positives, you know, were, were cases that occurred, say, last Wednesday, um, those three guys are probably going to be out. And obviously we're trying to follow up on that uh, behind the scenes of, of who those guys are. Um, but, you know, as we mentioned last week, there, it's been extremely difficult to get information from sources close to the Florida program. You know, they're really, really trying to keep things under wraps. Kind of using that as a competitive advantage, you know, obviously that's something that, you know, Dan Mullen has done throughout his time, you know, at Florida, you know, just from, from the standpoint of even, you know, not wearing jerseys out into the pregame, you know, so that opponents have a little tougher time seeing who's available. Um, so we're not sure exactly uh, whether or not we'll find out before Saturday, you know, how many guys are out. But I you know, I made the point on Swamp 24-7 that when you're, you're looking at the amount of guys that are quarantined relative to positive cases at most of these other universities, it seems like it's roughly the same number, maybe a little bit more. Uh, I know Notre Dame tested four positive cases and they have six guys in quarantine. So somewhere along that ratio seems to be pretty consistent with what we've seen. So, you know, if Florida has three guys out, you're probably expecting maybe seven, eight guys in total that will be out, uh, you know, due to contact tracing. And again, it depends on when those tests actually were flagged. You know, if they were Wednesday of last week, then, you know, maybe those guys are all okay for the game. If it was, you know, yesterday that they tested those three positives, then, you know, those guys are probably out this week. So, Florida will probably be missing some guys. Um, Blake, we've got a lot to get into in terms of depth chart as well. Um, and, and we'll talk about that shortly. But um, I think, you know, Florida shouldn't be too adversely impacted by COVID for week one. I think seven guys is probably along, seven, eight guys is along the expectations of what you would assume you'd have to deal with on a week-to-week basis. And, uh, you know, the, the real question is going to be which positions those are hit at. Because as we'll talk about here in, in breaking down the depth chart, like there are a couple positions where Florida's maybe a little bit shy on depth. Sure. And, you know, with just the regulations with, you know, just how it is from, you know, a roster standpoint with just the rules and regulations for this 2020 season, um, you know, you, you really have to be careful with some of these positions, you know, just, you know, from, from just the number standpoint, you know, for, you know, maybe not a, you know, you could hit a miss a number somewhere and you just have to forfeit the game. You know, you have to make sure that, you know, you, you take things seriously there with just the year. Um, but, you know, Florida, Florida does, you know, that looking at the depth chart, they're going to have, they did have some interesting moves there. Um, you know, just from, you know, first glance of kind of breaking things down, Thomas, what was the biggest thing for you that, you know, from a depth chart standpoint that, you know, kind of caught your eye? Yeah, well, we, we wrote a lot about this on Swamp 24-7 yesterday. So if you haven't had a chance to go check on the depth chart, be sure to hit that. I, I gave a lot of thoughts there. Uh, but podcast format's usually a little bit easier to discuss. So I, I think for me, uh, far and away, it was the fact that Kyrie Campbell, you know, a senior defensive tackle, was not listed on the depth chart. Uh, we don't know exactly why that is yet, but there has been, um, I would say, some smoke out there about him potentially considering opting out, um, you know, with, with some – background work we did I think I think we can say that it seems credible enough that that could be the case um you know obviously it's been tough to get real confirmation on anything this fall uh with sources kind of uh 
being advised that they should not tell anybody anything this year. Right. Well, even at this point in the season too, you know, some of these decisions aren't hundred percent concrete even too. So. Right. Know, right. And it's that's not like Kyrie has gone on his social media and said, you know, I'm opting out this year. You know, it's, there's definitely been some smoke. Exactly. And it does seem like there is something to it, but you know, I, I guess it's, it's not official until, you know, you really come out and say that. So, you know, the, and even, and even if it is know. official, you can always opt back in, you know, sure. and we were texting yesterday uh, about this and, and, you made a good point, you know, that Dan Mullen has really let the players speak uh, when it comes to opt-outs, you know, their, their stance on this. Uh, he, he does not want to speak for guys that may or may not be considering opting out. And I think part of that is just allowing guys to wrestle with it, you know, because everybody has different reasons for potentially considering opting out, whether it be health uh, for themselves, health of their family, um, or, or other reasons. And, and I, think, I think that's the right approach from Dan Mullen, but unfortunately it also means – we are left a little bit uh, with speculation in the fan base and that kind of thing. But anyway, bottom line, Kyrie Campbell was not listed on the two deep depth chart at defensive tackle. And Blake, the reason that one sticks out to me is because we've talked about it all off season. That's a place where Florida really is going to be counting on young guys out of necessity already. Um, you know, Elijah Conleth having to take a medical hardship in the off season. That's another senior guy that you lost. You lost Adam Schuler and Luke Ankrum from last year's squad. And really, all you have at that position is Tadaryl Slayton, Marlon Dunlap, and Kyrie Campbell. All of a sudden, if Kyrie Campbell is not available, you're really down to uh, – and, and sorry, I should mention Zach Carter as well because he's going to be playing inside this year. Um, but basically, you know, if Kyrie Campbell's not there, you only have three veteran guys at defensive tackle. And um, that's going to force guys like Javon Dexter, Jalen Lee, Jalen Humphreys onto the field early. Uh, you know, we had, we had speculated that Lamar Goods sounded like he was hurt based on the lack of information that we were hearing out of fall camp. We can confirm that now that, you know, Dan Mullen gave his injury report yesterday and Lamar Goods is dealing with a foot strain. Um, so again, depth at that defensive tackle position is really thin and Blake in, in a 10 game SEC slate, uh, that has to be concerning for Florida. Sure. And I think even when you look into the fact that, you know, 2018 2019 recruiting cycles that you know Florida really didn't get the job done as far as interior guys Jalen Humphreys being that one guy um, just through that span well I mean Malik uh, Langham was one but obviously he's not here so um, you know and Humphreys is a guy that you know really didn't have any kind of buzz about his name you know came in injured and you know he, he had some smoke on his name coming out of one of those scrimmages there so I mean he could be a guy but I mean for the most part Florida the way that the recruiting went for them before David Turner's arrival, it was going to set up to where, you know, a guy like Javon Dexter, a guy like, um, you know, Jalen Lee, you know, those guys from that 2020 class were going to have to come in and step up. I think it's, 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 it hurts Florida for a standpoint of you want to really rely on that veteran leadership guys. You want guy, you want guys that have experience in those sec games because with just how physical it is in the trenches there. And I think you bring up a good point with it just being a complete conference schedule. You know, that's what's one spot where Florida has really tried to recruit. They've really tried to take a priority of getting better in the trenches, whether that's on the offensive side with, you know, adding some size with the offensive line, how they have adding some guys to the defensive line. And I think the unsung unsung hero right here for Florida is Zachary Carter because yeah whatever is going on with Kyrie Campbell his leadership you know his just his experience there and playing those spots it, it hurts because he's not there to Darryl Slayton's gonna it's gonna put a lot of pressure on him but I think Zachary Carter just the fact that he is a guy that is going to be able to have that size he can kind of bring you some versatility to where you can play him at the end you can play him on the inside part um, you know coming out of high school he was a guy that did play some defensive tackle so it's not like it's a, you know a complete you know strains position for him um, so I, I think with that size he brings and I think on the on the roster he was listed at like 290 or something around there 
So, I mean, he's bulked definitely – you've seen some pictures of him just from over the years from just how much he's bulked up there. So, I think he's kind of the unsung hero there if you kind of look for a silver lining there of Kyrie Campbell because Zachary Carter does have the ability to play some uh, interior defensive line for Florida there. Um, and, and he's going to be a guy that's going to really need to step up when they're on the road, you know, as you kind of continue to – you know, you kind of bring Jervon Dexter along, you bring Jalen Lee along, you know, sure, you know, those guys are going to have to play, they're going to have to be thrown into the fire just with how things are and how Florida likes to rotate guys in there. So um, it's going to put a lot of strain on Zachary Carter to start out there because they're going to have to get a guy like Jervon Dexter, you know, who they were planning on already getting some, you know, some emphasis on him this year on the field at some point. Um, but I don't think, you know, a couple months ago they expected on signing day that he was going to be a guy that's going to play, you know, week one on the road in a full SEC slate. So um, Carter's going to be big for Florida there. And I think it, it's good that they have that versatility and that, you know, they can kind of capitalize on that because Florida's defensive staff has really tried to recruit that position of guys that are versatile, that can move around. Mm-hmm. But you were kind of waiting to see those guys that they recruited to, you know, get in their strength program, get in the, you know, just the the program of, you know, knowing the plays, knowing what to do and continuing to kind of get in there with Savage to get him bulked up, you know, a guy like Muhammad Diabate, maybe not position of defensive line, but he's a guy now that you can kind of cross train because he's at a little bit of size there. You've continued to kind of fill him out. And I think that's something that Carter's getting that experience for. I mean, it's something that's good for Florida because they'd be in a spot if he wasn't a guy that could move inside like that, that Florida would be in a really big spot there. Yeah, no doubt. And it worked out well that they had kind of planned to do that from the jump, you know, even before knowing you were going to lose potentially Conliff and, and maybe Campbell. Um, but, you know, the, the concern for me at that defensive tackle spot now is just the number of snaps. You know, I think you're going to need Zach Carter to play a huge number of snaps there. I think you're going to need Slayton to play a huge number of snaps. The good news is it looks like TJ Slayton has slimmed down considerably this offseason, which hopefully that can help, you know, expand his, expand his life, lifespan within games to play maybe more snaps than he was before. You know, that had been an issue for him a little bit when he was a little overweight. Um, he's trimmed down a little bit. Um, but, you know, defensive tackles, it's a big concern in the SEC, particularly when you have new linebackers behind them. And I know, obviously, Ventrell Miller got some run last year in, you know, from all reports out of camp, appears to be having a very, very good camp. But you've got a lot of young linebackers behind them. And so when you don't have veteran defensive tackles, you know, if you're having to rely on a Javon Dexter here or there or Jalen Lee or Jalen Humphreys, um, those guys aren't necessarily quite as good at holding, you know, their their – points and creating the gaps where the linebackers can fill and that can lead to some issues in the run game um florida quite frankly hasn't been as good against the run that really the last two years as we've grown to expect typical florida defenses so that's an area that needs improvement and now you have these question marks at defensive tackle certainly it's going to be worth monitoring to see what you know Kyrie campbell ends up doing uh we don't know you know when that decision will be made we don't know for sure that it's an opt-out it sounds like that's the the you know what we've gathered, it sounds very likely that that's what's going on. Um, But in any case, Blake, uh, any other things stand out to you from the depth chart? You know, one of the things that, you know, from just the buzz through fall camp so far was that Brad Stewart was playing in that star position for Florida and that, you know, he was, he was, kind of showing out you know he was he was really kind of making some waves there in that position that's a spot that Florida was really trying to kind of figure things out you know throughout the season last year Um, you know you hear all that buzz about Stewart through fall camp and then lo and behold CJ McWilliams is starting on the star position so I think just the absence in general of Brad Stewart on there in general um, I think that was also pretty pretty surprising as well yeah you know maybe not surprising more so notable (laughs) yeah yeah well this would be the uh, third season opener that Brad Stewart's met So So that's why I say it's not surprising. I guess it's just more noteworthy. (laughs) Yeah. um, I I do think Florida's better equipped to handle that one. You know, obviously you've got some, uh, some some senior safeties. You're probably not going to miss them at safety, but like you said, that star position, 
uh, gets a little bit tricky. You know, that you've got a freshman in the two deep in Trevez Johnson now. And, you know, obviously the staff is very high on Trevez as a player. But, you know, game one, you do, you're hoping that you're not relying on him too much in a, in a position that really, I mean, you really have to be locked in on uh, understanding the communication, understanding what's going on in the secondary, you know, able to pattern match, that kind of thing. Um, that's a very important spot. So that is another notable absence. Um, I guess the other one that stuck out to me, Blake, was was we've talked about it a lot. Apparently, everybody's been raving about Malik Davis throughout fall camp. Uh, we had kind of expected that Damian Pierce would be the number one back and that Davis and Lorenzo Lingard and Naquan Wright, Iverson Clement were maybe going to fight it out for the number two spot in camp. Well, it turns out uh, Malik Davis has apparently been impressive enough that he's listed alongside, actually in front of Damian Pierce, along with uh, – you know, that, that always uh, interesting or phrase, you know, so they're basically one, a one B at this point. Uh, and that says a lot about what I think people are expecting from Malik Davis this fall. You know, one other thing too, that was, I think noteworthy is too, is, is the fact that Florida had recruited in Jeremy Crawshaw out of, uh, out of uh, Australia. And then you see uh, Jacob Finn winning that punter position. You know, I don't know if that's something that's going to have some flexibility there. If it's just the fact that, you know, a guy coming from Australia who is, you know, getting groomed through a program to kind of go from that rugby style kicking to, you know, maybe more of, you know, modernized football, you know, type of punting. Um, and I, I believe last year there was uh, some, some talk of maybe Finn giving uh, Tommy Townsend's, you know, maybe a, a good competition through fall camp. So maybe there was some truth to that, you know, Tommy Townsend, the starting punter now for the Kansas city chiefs. Um, you know, it was kind of seemed like that was, you know, probably one of the more, uh, maybe not more of the exciting battles last fall camp, but maybe one that you wouldn't expect it to be so close. So I think that was something a little surprising too, how they brought Crawshaw in and you kind of just, at least for me, it's kind of a, you know, they bring this guy in, they give him a scholarship. He's more likely probably going to be able to be that guy. So I, I think that was something a little, a little noteworthy as well. It is for sure. I mean, anytime you have a walk-on beating out a scholarship player, it's noteworthy, but uh, I will say Florida's got pretty good. They've always got good punters, man. I mean, they've Florida's had walk-ons that have transferred to Miami and become starters. Uh, so not, not terribly surprising, I would say, but uh, they have at least a little bit of a handle on the special teams. And obviously along with that, uh, we kind of know now that Kadarius Tony and Jacob Copeland are going to be your two return guys, both punt return and kick return. I know a lot of people have been asking about that, but uh, Blake, I want to kind of transition into now that it's game week, let's, let's talk about another team because we've talked about Florida all off. <laughs> Frankly, I don't know how much more I can say about Florida. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side, talking week one against Ole Miss uh, right on the other side of this break guys. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, I'm just going to ask you right off the bat, what? this is a highly unique year, obviously. <laughs> We're talking about guys potentially having a quarantine ahead of a, a football game and not knowing who those guys are. What's the biggest challenge now that Florida is ready to go on the road, take on Ole Miss in week one? Uh, you know, I think just from a not knowing who who could have, you know, the virus and who could be playing. And, who, you know, on a week-to-week basis, you could, you know, easily have to shuffle things around and, you know, kind of as the go. But I think more and more unique things, at least for me, is whenever you look at the 2G, the 2D that Florida put out this, uh, you know, just the other day, um, was the fact they have a lot of young guys. They're going to have a lot of young guys that are on that roster. I think whenever you start out, A, on the road, and B, in a, you know, conference game like how it's just going to kind of thrust you into there um, against an old Miss team that you just – you just don't fully know completely. You know, you can do all the scouting you want in the world, but they have a whole new coaching staff. You just, there's so many wrinkles that, you know, a guy like Lane Kiffin, who, if you tell me that he doesn't have a wrinkle or some kind of trick play or some kind of trickeration up there, I would just say you're lying because you know he's going to have that. That's just Lane Kiffin. So I think just the fact that, you know, whenever you're looking through, you know, scouting, I mean, you're watching different tape from other teams. You know, you're looking whenever DJ Durkin was at other schools. You're looking at what Lane Kiffin did at other schools. You're looking at just tape on guys that Ole Miss played last year. It just seems like so much from a planning standpoint. And yes, coaches can do that. Yes, veterans can do that. I think they can absorb that. But I think those younger guys that are a playing on the road already in a you know a tougher game than what they would have been expecting you know a couple months back before the schedule changed. I think that you know brings a challenge in its own. But just the whole having a young guy like that who could be a freshman or a redshirt freshman or something um, who's still kind of figuring things out. You know, maybe a redshirt freshman knows more than a true guy. But just the fact that you just have to do different game plans. It's not you know watching game tape on Ole Miss last year and this is what they ran. This is what you can watch. It just seems like a lot more research through that so I just think a lot of those guys could be swimming you know in the fact that it's just a lot to take in um you know but the good thing for Florida is they do have a lot of veterans there um you know which they're going to be able to lean on and those younger guys can be able to do that in games and get you know different just tips and whatever and whatnot but I, I just think it's it's so hard to even for some of those guys um that could have no have all the knowledge of you know the program and how to prepare in the world um, there's just a lot to look into when you have just the unique year that we have. Um, you know, you don't get to see this team. You know, you would have normally seen this Ole Miss team in spring. You could have looked at that film. There's just so many different wrinkles that you have to bring into just the preparation of just each game week. Yeah, and talking to Florida coaches this week, that's been very apparent that they're – We'll see on Saturday, I think, is an answer that I heard literally like I've heard it for weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, it, and I think it's the truth. I mean – you know, you can look at stuff that, like you said, you know, Lane Kiffin and, and his staff have used in the past. But at the end of the day, you know, Brian Johnson said it yesterday. Uh, you spend all off season trying to put in new things and put in new wrinkles. Now, obviously, that's different when you're, you know, in year one of a program and you're trying to install your base system. But but you still you, you don't know what to expect. And so I think the focus for Florida this week really hasn't been so much on Ole Miss tape. You know, obviously, they've seen the guys. They've seen John Rice Plumley, They've seen Matt Corral. They've seen Jerry Ely. Uh, so individually, they know what they're up against. But I think from an overall standpoint, you're you're really not doing as much kind of uh, you know game scouting as you would be 
with teams that have already played games, teams that, you know, return coaches from a year ago. And so I think that the focus is on Florida going out there and executing, taking care of their fundamentals, and then be, being ready to adjust. And that's where I come back to uh, Florida really having a unique position this year with COVID, given the fact that they've got a ton of coaching continuity, given the fact that they have a redshirt senior quarterback, that they have an offensive line now. that has- There's a lot of positives for Florida in just this season in general. And like we've said, it's, it seems like different parts of the season, the stars have continued to align for Florida. You know, you have Jamie Newman opt out. You have a different offensive court, just other teams in the conference, in their division. There's been a lot of things to like about Florida there. But, you know, just I guess I'm looking more so at the depth chart for me and seeing some of that youth in there. Um, you're really going to need to rely on that veteran leadership and you're going to really need those guys to be focused and locked in, which does seem like overall the consensus from the team. Yeah. And they're going to have to bring along those young guys on the fly. I mean, you you know, they're going to have to explain, okay, this is, we're calling out this adjustment. This is what this means. Here's what you need to be. Um, And I think Florida staff really does a good job. You know, you saw it on the offensive line last year, how they didn't want to put Richard Giraj out on an Island at tackle, even though they could maybe have used an upgrade um, because they don't want to overwhelm guys. And so they sandwich him in between two veterans and then kind of bring them along that way. I think you're going to see that happen a lot this year with Florida. Um, Again, that's why you come back to to having balanced depth through recruiting. You know, you don't want to have those gaps like you have at defensive tackle where you have all seniors and then all freshmen. And really that's because you didn't recruit the right way in 2018 and 2019. You know, that, that could be a concern at running back going forward. We've talked about it a little bit, you know, when we've gotten into recruiting, which now that the season's close, we haven't talked about as much, but Running back, you know, I know they took transfer Lorenzo Lingard, but they, they have some of a class gap there. So you need to start to eliminate that. I think at most positions, Florida has done that. And so there's, you know, like at safety, you're talking about, you got a bunch of seniors, but you got some young guys. You've got that mix of veteran leadership and youth. And I think you're going to need to rely on that. And, and I think when you get into situations where you can play that youth and not have to worry about it, it's going to be key. So I don't think you're going to see Florida ever take its foot off the gas offensively this year. I think, they're going to try to put as many points on the board as they can every single game. That way they can continue to get that, that youth exposed in situations where they can kind of slowly bring them along. Um, and I think that's true across the board at every position, you know, certainly some more than others, but yeah, I mean, I think and Mullen's definitely one of those guys, those coaches that really wants to control every aspect of the game. And if you have to put up, you know, put up a ton of points, you have to make sure you continue to put, you know, put up points. You continue to stay active on offense and you have to keep your foot on the pedal. Um, that's his way of controlling the game. If your defense is going to take some time to come along. Yeah. You've got a lot of pieces there, but as you rotate those young guys in there and you have to baptize them through fire and you know, an sec schedule and you know, sure there's going to be easier weeks compared to harder weeks, but you know, to start out, Florida's schedule is a little bit tougher there at the front end. It's definitely more front loaded. Um, so that's definitely something that's, it's, it's something to think about when you have some of those guys, um, you know, on the defensive line, you know, you throw in a Jervon Dexter who has all the talent in the world, but hasn't done it in a college game, hasn't had that experience. Um, so he's going to definitely have to be brought along. And I, I think that in the STC, um, you know, I think that that just is something to where when you just see those freshman guys on there, that that's something that I, I think I just keep going back to on the depth chart because um I just, you know, at this point, you just don't know, you know, you don't know how that's going to work with just how the schedule is. Um, And I'm sure Florida would have loved to have this one at home, Um, you know, kind of, and obviously having like, you know, opening up with Vandy or something like that. I'm sure Florida would have much rather had that as they continue to kind of ease into the season. But, um, you know, I'm definitely interested to see, um, I guess, just how they mix things and how they deal with things throughout the season. This season is just so, it has so many interesting aspects for me, just from different wild card, man. It is, you know, I feel like it could just go any way. Some of these games, you know, just because you don't know how it's going to work. So I, I don't know. It's just, I guess it's an exciting, a science experiment. And we've had all these expectations of, you know, how things could go into the season. So now that it's finally here, I guess I'm just more excited to see things finally unfold. 
For sure, for sure. Well, Blake, there's a lot we don't know about Ole Miss in particular, scheme-wise and all that. Let's talk about what we do know. Um, you obviously have covered some of these quarterbacks. Matt Corral, I know you covered a lot, the former Florida commitment. What are you expecting from Ole Miss out of, out of quarterback play, and what, what do those guys bring to the table that maybe Florida needs to be aware of? You know, Matt Corral, he's, he's from just what I've seen from covering as a high school recruit, you know, he's a gunslinger. He's a guy that's want to continue to kind of stay aggressive. Um, he's going to want to try to fit things in there. He's going to want to show off his big arm. He's got some athleticism from a running standpoint, but I, I just don't know if that's really his bread and butter. I mean, I guess he has enough to get away if he needs to, but he's not going to be back there and running like a, you know, a John Riles Plumley, um, who, who was leading, had led Old Miss in rushing last year. Um, so I think that they're both dynamic playmakers. I think Plumley. um, I wouldn't be surprised to see both of them in some kind of aspect in the game. I believe Matt Corral from all standpoints seems to be kind of that guy who's going to get a, the nod as a starter. Um, I think that it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if he tries to kind of keep that gunslinger mentality um, with a defensive backfield like Florida, where they have some guys that are really aggressive and really going to want to play on the ball. So I think that that's something to watch, but you know, Corral, I think is, is it seems that he's going to be the guy, but Plumlee is a little bit more athletic. Um, just from from a running standpoint, I, I think it was the game I watched last year. Um, it was uh, Ole Miss playing LSU, um, and he was really electric in that game. And that was a, a you know a pretty good LSU team from all things considered. So I, I think that uh, you know I mean they were okay. Um, so I think that Florida is going to definitely. I'm I'm interested to see how Plumlee affects this game because Florida hasn't been fantastic with guys that are more mobile running quarterbacks. So I think that Florida having the season where they've had to kind of prepare for things and not really know exactly, you know, what you're going to see from Lane Kiffin, you know, maybe totally with, you know, just what he has at Ole Miss. Um, but I think that a guy like that who is really athletic with his feet also, I think that he brings just a, he's kind of an X factor in a game just because you just, a play breaks down, he can make something happen. So I think that that's something Florida's going to have to contain as well. I mean, Ely, the running back there, you know, I mean, he's, he's a beast enough for them too. So, I mean, Ole Miss has some players, but I just don't know if they have a complete roster to kind of keep up with Florida in this one. Yeah, that's kind of the theme, I think, for most people kind of breaking down this game is, you know, do they have the depth across the board? You know, I think Florida's defense, we all probably feel a lot more confident in than Ole Miss's defense in terms of, you know, those two matchups. But, uh, you know, Plumlee's, Plumlee's absolutely electric. And like you said, Florida hasn't always fared the best with those kind of guys. So I, I think if you're Florida, the emphasis has to be on stopping Ely on kind of the normal rushdowns and, and kind of prevent Ole Miss from getting ahead of the chains to where they can right. fool around with, you know, maybe. You don't want to let Lane get cute. On the field. You definitely don't want to let Lane get cute. You, you don't want to let him get into a rhythm as a play caller either. So uh, it'll be interesting. You know, Elijah Moore, obviously a very good receiver. But I look at, you know, Ole Miss's receiver core as a whole, and they've got a lot of questions outside of him. Um, you said it, you know, Florida's got a really good defensive backfield. I don't think that'll be a huge issue. Um, but for me, you know, this game could very well come down to turnovers. You know, we've seen a lot of college football now the past couple of weeks. Uh, it's been sloppy, man. And if you listen to Dan Mullen throughout the offseason, they know that, you know, they're going to have to be uh, able to adjust around sloppiness and just general issues that pop up in first games. And I think that's going to be the, the, the biggest key is, you know, if Florida – me where they win this game is is because they're veteran they're going to be well equipped to handle some of that stuff they know how to react to their coaches whereas you know if Ole Miss gets in a pinch how do they respond to Lane Kiffin how do they respond to this new staff um Blake uh I don't know that we need score predictions necessarily but uh I mean do you feel similarly how do you see this game kind of going uh, I think it's probably like a 17 point difference 21 points somewhere around there I think that Florida maybe I think it does start out slow just because Mullins teams in the first part of the season, it does seem like they kind of figure things out. They do go a little bit slower. 
But I think that Florida just overall, I see them having kind of more dogs in the fight. And I think kind of in the second half, this one starts to pull away somewhere, you know, like 17 points different, something around there. See, I don't know that. I think it's going to be a little closer than that. You know, I know the, what is the spread? Is it 12 and a half, 14 and a half? Somewhere? 14 and a half right now. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just see that being high for a season opener. Um, like you That's said. a good point. It's, it's been sloppy to start out. There's, yeah, there's so many things that, that have to get worked out. And, you know, as veteran as Florida is at some spots, you do still lose those four senior receivers. You lose a senior running back. Have some question marks at defensive tackle, even though we feel like Zach Carter will be pretty good there. The linebackers, i got to be honest, the linebackers still concern me. I think they'll be very good by, you know, the middle of the year just based on the athleticism and everything that they have. But you're talking about new guys that are going to be used to fitting gaps behind guys that, you know, are somewhat new themselves to the full-time starting role on the interior of the line. I, I see Florida winning this game, but I do think it's going to be a struggle. I think it's going to be one of those games where you're kind of nervous the entire game. You know, given Ole Miss's explosiveness, I think you probably see them hit an explosive play or two where you're well aware that they're capable of doing that. And Florida just kind of – I feel like this game's going to be just kind of – Florida, maybe it's a little ugly, but, you know, they kind of stay ahead the whole time, and then they're doing just enough to hang on late. Um, I, I don't know that Florida's depth, you know, particularly in the front seven defensively convinces me that they're basically going to put this game on lockdown. You know, I, I know a lot of people are high on Florida's defense and I am too. I just don't know that the depth, um, particularly from a conditioning standpoint early in the season is going to be what you're going to see in the second half of the year. Once, you know, everybody gets their game feed under them. Uh, so I, I see this being kind of a little bit of a back and forth, a little bit of a, a sloppy kind of slug fest, um, I, I do think the key for Florida is is really putting a stop on Jerry and Ely on early running downs. To me, if you can do that, then you can force Ole Miss into the passing game. And like you said, that would play right into Florida's strengths, you know. Right. I think if you can make Corral, because he's going to try to stretch things in there. He's going to try to fit things in the window. Um, I think Plumley. I think the running game in general is something Florida needs to definitely key on. Um, Plumley is a guy that's really electric. If you can keep Ely in there um, and kind of keep him in check, I think that kind of is what is going to set the tone for Florida. So I completely agree with you on that aspect. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this uh, last season podcast. We will Can't be back. Uh, we're not. One quick note: we're not going to be traveling. Uh, we've we've got some interesting uh, quarantine restrictions. We have to quarantine for 14 days, mandatory. Uh, company-wide if we travel to a game. So we are actually not going to be traveling to this game. We're not really going to be missing a whole lot. Um, you know, pregame observations are really the only thing that's going to fall by the wayside a little bit there. Um, but everything, you know, post-game is being handled virtually. Uh, we will be traveling to some road games, it sounds like. We're just kind of picking our spots based on that mandatory 14-day quarantine. Uh, but Blake and I will be back most likely on Sunday afternoon, since we're not having that travel issue, uh, with a podcast, breaking down the game, breaking down everything that happened. And uh, as always, guys, you can find uh, the latest up-to-date coverage on Swamp247.com as we continue to get more on, you know, the Kyrie Campbell situation on, you know, who's potentially impacted by this COVID. Uh, not really an outbreak anymore, but, but by these COVID cases, uh, we'll continue to update on Swamp 24-7. We are running a 60% off annual VIP promotion right now uh, just for this week only. So if you want to get all that insider information, anything we get, you guys will get right away. Uh, be sure to hit visit Swamp247.com and take advantage of that promotional offer. That'll do it for us today, guys. We can't wait to see you on the other side of Game 1.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 